Back in the day, there was, so we need to click onto the slide. There it is. Um, back in the day, there's a thing called television, just telling these young people. There's a thing called television. And uh, before the free-to-air shopping channels, there was this channel. Okay. On, off, on. Hang on, hang on. There it is. Bert Newton, Good Morning Australia. Now, some of you will remember this, older people. Um, now, Bert Newton, it was basically a talk show and used to cross to Moira in the showroom. And she had a famous guest, Big Kev. And Cle uh, Big Kev had a range of cleaning products. And uh, what would happen in the showroom, Moira would be gasping for air because Kev would get a piece of carpet and put tomato sauce and beetroot and wine on this guy. Oh, no, you know. And um, then he would, you know, squirt on his big Kev cleaning product and uh, using a household towel, uh, just massage that in. And then, oh, incredible, right? Incredible transformation. The carpet is like new again. Incredible. Um, so today, we are going to look at a piece of carpet in the Bible. And our next reader is going to read that. So it's going to pop up. Page 963, the reader is coming up right now. 1 Timothy chapter 1. Everyone, everyone. You need to you know, look at this. Otherwise, it's just me talking. And folks, you'll find that on page 963 of the Pews in the Bible. Chapter 1, 1 Timothy, chapter 1, starting at verse 12. I am grateful to Christ Jesus our Lord, who has strengthened me, because he judged me faithful and appointed me to his service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a man of violence. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of the Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But for that very reason I received mercy, so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display the utmost patience, making me an example to those who would come to believe in him for eternal life. To the King of the Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory for ever and ever. Amen. Well, that, that was um, Paul telling us his story, um, how he became a Christian. And Paul tells us th his story to help you personally, right? I don't know if you picked that up there, but it's also to help this church to reach people for Jesus. Okay? That's, that's what it's about. Well, first of all, what was Paul like? He tells us in verse 13, he was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. He was once like this. He said he was ignorant. He acted in unbelief. He was a zealous Jew. He thought Christians were heretics. They were false teaching this false thing about Jesus being the Messiah. They needed to be rubbed out. 
It would have been a terrible time to be a Christian in those days. But that was what it was like. But something happened to him. Look at verse 14. Uh, The grace of our Lord overflowed to me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. In verse 13, he says he was shown mercy. An amazing transformation happened to Paul. Acts 9, on the road to Damascus, you can read about this. He became a Christian. God chose to transform his life. Verse 14, Paul says that despite everything, grace... Right, undeserved favor overflowed to Paul. He received grace. How did now? Paul clearly was not on God's team, right? How can someone like Paul be changed? Well, the Bible word is gospel. Gospel. Right now, we think, oh, gospel must be a religious Christian word, but it's got nothing to do with Christianity, right? It's just a word. It means big news. Uh, It's actually a news, you know, like a news feed word or a social media word. So if I said, have you heard the gospel? People would say, no, tell me, tell me the gospel. Well, there's this germ, you can't see it. It's floating around. I even heard on the news this morning that it's everywhere in Perth at the moment. It's COVID. Have you heard the gospel? It's big news. In the first century, it was all about uh, the uh, emperor has had a son. Have you heard the gospel? The emperor has an heir. Uh, or Rome has won a magnificent victory. Have you heard the gospel? Right? Big news. Wow. Have you heard? Well, in the Bible, it's big news about Jesus. Have you heard the gospel? What exactly? Verse 15. That Jesus came into the world, right, to save sinners. That is the gospel. That's the heart of Christianity in a nutshell. This is the big news for the world. Firstly, verse 15, he came to save. Now, think about this. A lot of people don't join the dots. If you need to be saved, if you need to be rescued, right, what does it say about you? It means that you're stuck, right? You are helpless Otherwise, you wouldn't need to be saved. You would just work out how to solve the problem yourself. But if you need to be rescued, you're in a helpless situation, right? But second thing is he came to save sinners. And a lot of people are confused about sin, right? We need to be clear about what sin is. There's a difference between if I said, oh, hang on, I can't taste. And, uh, you know, I've got a runny nose and I've got a sore throat, I've got a headache. You'd say, hang on, they're symptoms. They're just symptoms. The real thing you've got is COVID. That's the thing. The symptoms are these proving that you've got this, right? So sin is the problem. Sins are the symptoms, okay? Every time you don't love people, every time you don't love God, they're symptoms of the problem deep down inside us called sin. And sin is essentially an attitude of our minds that we rebel against God's right as our creator to run our lives, to lovingly control things that we submit wholeheartedly to God, our creator. But we don't. We are like mutineers on a ship. We have pushed the captain aside and we've said, actually, I'll steer the ship myself, right? Most of us are like that. We've all done it. Uh, most people I meet treat God like a vacuum cleaner. So you think about your vacuum cleaner, just where is it right now at home in a cupboard? When do you get the vacuum cleaner out? When there's a mess. That's how most people treat God, right? You know, they may believe God is there, 
but they essentially keep God in a cupboard and just drag God out. Oh, God, help me. And then the problem is, you know, resolved. Oh, where does God? Goes back in the cupboard. Right? It's terrible. It's sin. Okay? That's, that is the problem. That is sin. That's the bad news. The good news is in verse 15 that Christ Jesus came into the world to save us, to rescue, to solve the problem, to cure us of our disease called sin. How does Jesus do that? Well, he does that by swapping places with us. Uh, I'm going to use an illustration. It's just an illustration. It's not, you know, every illustration is flawed, right? But work with me. Imagine you were born and you have this T-shirt that grows with you for your life, right? Okay, but you're born and it's pure white. And every time a symptom of sin, a symptom of sin showed up in your life, you wrote it down, you know, very fine point, permanent black marker, just wrote that just, you know, every time, every single time that you didn't love people properly, that you didn't love God, didn't acknowledge God. Imagine. How long will it take until there's no room left to write symptoms? Right, imagine Jesus. He's born, he wears a white T-shirt all the time. It's perfectly white because he's sinless. To enter, to be with God, you have to wear a white T-shirt because God can't allow sin to be in his presence. And so on the cross, Jesus says, let's swap T-shirts. You take my perfectly white T-shirt you wear that, and I'll take this, this black, you know, just full of stuff that you'd be ashamed of. You give it to me, and I'm going to die on the cross and take up God's judgment for you in your place. That is how we are made right with God. That's how Jesus saves us. That is how we are right with God. Jesus came into the world to save sinners for that very purpose, and Jesus saved Paul, Paul the sinner. Now, why? What's Paul's perspective? Well, uh, he uses a before and after comparison, right? And this is a, t- a typical advertising thing. So, you know, the grey hair, um, people over 50 that still have the hair isn't grey, obviously using HOM, the, the men, uh, because you see you can cover. You know, there was the uh, Grecian 2000, going to wash that grey right. Yeah, some of you remember that. Anyway, then, uh, you know, before and after, right? The car, oxidised, and the polish is so good it looks like a new car. Uh, then the other people need to work the abs, you know, the ab cruncher, the exercise machine, before and then afterwards, you know, you look like Kieran. Um, just, you know, muscular, buff, you know, this is before and after, right? So, right? Or... Big Kev, the carpet, before, it's disgusting. And then you apply the carpet cleaner, you know, the program. You know, that is exactly right. That is exactly how it works. And the reason it works is because you think, oh, my carpet is never going to get that bad. If it works for that carpet, then of course it's going to work for me because my carpet's never going to be that bad. Right? Your, any scenario. Paul was the first century equivalent of Big Kev's carpet. Right? Look at, look at, he holds him up, himself up as the before and after um, photograph, if you like, of the worst case scenario of a sinner. Look at verse 15. I am the foremost. See it in verse 15. I am the foremost. I am the worst. 
And verse 16, God is saying that he has put him on display down at the, that local shops, down at, you know, on the shopping channel on TV, of a before and after photograph of a sinner cleansed by grace which overflowed to him. Verse 16, why did God save Paul? But for that very reason, right? Because he was the worst sinner, I received mercy so that in me, as the worst, as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display the, uh, the utmost patience, making me an example for those who would believe on him and receive uh, for eternal life, right? The logic is this. Here's an object lesson. If, Paul, if God can save Paul, he can save even me because he's the worst. I'm not, I'm not like Paul. I'm not out trying to round Christian up, killing them. He says he's the ugliest before photo of a sinner that Jesus could find. And Jesus transfers him, uh, transforms him by his grace and mercy, puts him on display and says, look, just look at that. Look at what I can do with people. Look at how I can change lives by grace as they come and trust Jesus. Wow. It's an example. You see, that's the, idea, the big idea of the Bible is God wants to save people. God has always sought to rescue people from sin, to save them. Why? Because he wants to, because he loves people, despite our rebellion, all sorts of people, sinners, according to verse 15. That's all of us. Sinners from all sorts of background. backgrounds, backgrounds, you know, middle class, conservative sinners, off the rails, hard nut sinners. doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat. We've all, we've all got a problem. You know, nice sinners. There's some nice sinners around, particularly around this area. Nice, nice houses, you know. Um, there's also, in other suburbs, dodgy people, right? There's people with no teeth because they, you know, drink coke a lot. You know, whatever. We look down on people. We think they're, all you know, the bad people. No, we're all sinners. We've all got problems. See, people like Paul. God saves people like Paul. God saves people like you. God even saves people like me. Um, I grew up in Adelaide. I had friends who were in the music sort of scene. I went along with them, partied hard. Um, I got a job working in Adelaide. Um, and I remember you go through the education phase of life, you know, waiting for employment. You get a job. And I had this in, incredible sense of disappointment. Because no one had told me, but people don't like work. Now, I don't know, right? I was shocked to discover this, that this isn't really what life is all about. But I had been set up to think, oh, you know, you, you have education and you work. And I thought, is this it? Till I'm 67, I have to go to, you know, go to bed, wake up, go to work, earn money, buy things, uh, buy a lounge suite buy a lawnmower, buy a car. Then you go to bed and you wake up and earn money, and, right? It's Ecclesiastes. <laughs> I, had an Eccles- like I wasn't a Christian, but I, I had that moment. I'm like, what is the point of life? What is going, like, there's got to be more to life than this. So if you knew me back then, uh, there's two parts to me, same person. There's the deep and meaningful side of me that... Um, wanted to find out 
purpose, meaning, you know, what is going on? Uh, and on the other heart, uh, the other side of me was the party animal, because until you can work out why you're alive, you may as well have a good time. That was, you know, I'm just an Aussie cashed up bloke, right? I have money, so live to party. Now, when your friends are into drugs, because uh, you grow up, you know, you, you know, you've all been to school and, you know, just say no, just say no. But people don't do things they don't like. So when people seem to be having a good time and they're saying, you should have some of this, right? You've got just say no and your friend's saying, oh, you should try this. So I tried this and, of course, amazing, right? You have amazing experiences because drugs are enjoyable. Now, it may shock you, right? People don't do things. Like, imagine, just think about it, right? If people did drugs and they oh, that was terrible, I'm going to have some more. It just doesn't work. Right? People take drugs because it's pleasurable. People drink alcohol, the same thing, right? So, I've cr- once you cross this line, you, you, you're a drug taker. Well, you know, this whole world opens up. And, um, oh, there's a photo of me. Yeah, yeah. So here I am, back in the day, you know, uh, with my mates. I found this recently. And that's me in the middle with my two mates. Notice I'm holding a bong in one hand and a bag of marijuana, uh, a pipe in the other, there's all the beer bottles we've drunk, you know, I'm at another party and there's a guy lying on the floor with his feet up that I'm leaning on, so this was the life I was living, right, this is just, yeah, crazy, crazy life, right, Um, now when I, clearly I'm not a hippie at this point, but when I took, when I wanted to think, I took drugs seriously, because it all gets a bit cosmic, right, so this is why if you know anyone that takes drugs, a relative, a friend, a family member, you know, a neighbour, just a guy on the street, you can confidently talk to them about spiritual things because everyone seems to have cosmic experiences. But it's a trick, right, because there's nothing there. It's just your imagination. And uh, the classic experiences, and you can, you can say this to people that have taken, you know, some serious drugs, there's a moment you go, ah, oh, that's it. That's it. I've, oh, of course. <gasps> now, hang on. What was it again? Hmm. I'm sure I had it. Ah, so you have to go back. And you have to try more and you have to try a combination. And you, you always, it's just beyond, you, you think you've got, it's a trick, right? It's just deception. Anyway, um, I, uh, I'm working in Adelaide at this point. I grew up in Adelaide. I'm working in Adelaide, uh, working in the CBD. I used to go into the, Rundle Mall and have my lunch, just watch people pass by. And there was a busker there that used to sing, Christi- you know, it was a Christian at a sign. He said, where will you spend eternity? I thought the guy was strange, you know. But I used to see him, you sing Amazing Grace, all this stuff. And um, anyway, my, my mates moved to Sydney because they were in a band. And I moved to Sydney with, you know, they said, come, you know, you've got to come, rock and roll, you know, the lifestyle, it's great. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, you know. So transferred across. And... Um, the uh, office I worked in had a backlog and they employed temporary employees to help clear the backlog. And uh, I got working with this guy. He was a born-again Christian. Oh, typical. Um, he was very narrow-minded. He kept talking about Jesus, kept asking me questions. I kept, you know, arguing and all this sort of stuff with him. And, uh, in fact, I thought he was so narrow-minded he needed to take drugs to 
open his mind a bit and just become a bit more, you know, open. Um, and then uh, people came to work and said, have you heard the gospel? Um, the space shuttle was blown up. Wow, have you heard the gospel? Have you heard the gospel? Wow, big news, right? This is an 86. And, um, uh, you know, everyone was talking about it. And this guy said, unless they were Christians, they're facing God's judgment and will be condemned to hell. And I was like, come off it. You know, this is ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. You know, beep, beep, beep. You know, I don't know what I said, but, you know, I was, I was upset. And he said, and I still remember, he said, oh, hang on. Oh, we've missed it. Oh, there you go. Um, he, he quoted this verse, right? I didn't, you know. He just said, Jesus said, here's the only way. The only way. He's the gate, the only way into eternal life. That's either true or it's false. You can't have it both ways, right? Hmm. Anyway, he finished up and it stuck in my brain, right? Stuck in my brain. And the crisis point came months later. Like It was like, I, you know, I said at the early service, it was like getting a cricket ball and throwing it through that window. Shatter. It was. I had this moment, this moment of clarity that I actually didn't know what happened when you died. I had theories, I had ideas, I'd read books, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I thought, I haven't died. And the people I'm reading about are all dead, right? right? Some of them are dead. And I'm like, well, they're dead. And this person contradicted that person. I thought, what do I do? Who do I talk to? Do I stop the people in the street? What do you think? I thought, who are they? You know, they don't know any more than me. I've thought about this, you know, a lot. And then I thought, ah, what I need is someone who's died and come back again. They're the only person that's worthy to be listened to because anyone can have theories and then die and you go, well, they seem, you know, convinced. But, you know, yeah, I hope it's true. right? But if somebody comes back from the dead, well, credentials, qualifications. right? So I decided to follow Jesus. But I wasn't a Christian. Right? Because... <laughs> This is why you've got to talk to people and ask them just, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. Ah, next question, right? Because in my thinking, now I, Jesus was the sort of qualifications person. Uh, when I took drugs, Jesus would help me, right? So you can see how my logic worked, right? Anyway, I went to lunch one day at, uh, I was in Sydney, uh, Bondi, the office doors opened, you know, to the street, and there was this busker that I see in Adelaide standing there with his guitar. And I'm like, oh, you know, and chatted, chatted, you know. Um, I think I said I'm a Christian. Anyway, he, him and his wife uh, were travelling evangelists, you know, just singing on the street, living on whatever people threw in the guitar case. And uh, he invited me for dinner. So I met with him and his wife uh, in this sort of camper van thing. And she asked me, if I died tonight, would I go to with God, no doubt. And I said, well, you know, if I'm good enough, okay, because that's the default. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, you have to be good. That's just how everyone thinks. And she explained to me uh, the cross. She explained grace. She explained that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I remember, oh, you know, just that logic just clicked. And, you know, the light bulb moment happened. I went, oh, and I knew that I was right with God by trusting in Jesus' death 
for me. And my life changed, right? Just like that. It was like I describe it as it was like I was asleep and then I woke up, right? Because that's what happened at night when you can't see and then you put a light on. Oh, suddenly you can see. Yeah, that, that was incredible. My life began and I just wanted to tell people about Jesus because, you know, <laughs> I found the meaning of life. Anyway, if you're not a Christian here today, can I just challenge you that um, God can save even you, right? God knows all about everything you've thought, everything you've said, everything you've done, everything you haven't done, everything you know you should have done but you didn't. God And God knows all about that stuff that if anybody found out, oh, well, God knows. You can't hide. You can hide all that from us and that's fine, but you can't hide that from God. And Christ Jesus came in the world to save you because your symptoms are obvious. That's why Jesus came in to the world. Right? So talk, keep talking, keep asking questions. Right? This is what we say to uni, uni students. There's no question off limits. There's no question too hard. Keep, keep investigating. And in fact, we've been so audacious to say that there's no good reason not to be a Christian. Okay, so you just think about that. But most of you in this room would say you're, you know, you're a Christian. I want to challenge you that, you know, on paper, yes, God can save people. Do, do you really believe that? Do you really believe God can save anyone? Paul wants you to. I want you to. There's me again, right? Just, you know, if anybody had thought one day I would be urging people to become Christians, I'd be standing in churches saying. You know, tell people about Jesus. I would have laughed. Everyone just, it was just nuts, right? And yet, that's, that's what happened. But that's nothing compared to what happened to Paul. You know, Paul, no one would ever have thought Paul, Saul at the time, would become a Christian. And yet he did. Now, can I encourage you that the guy that shared about Jesus with me in the office doesn't know I've become a Christian. I don't know. I can't remember what he looks like. He meant nothing to me. I don't know his name. If I had a car accident with him, you know, he might recognise me. Now, he might think, oh, you know, I've never seen anyone become a Christian. I think I'll just, I just won't bother anymore. Maybe you've reached that point as well. You think, oh, you know, I've tried talking to people at Jesus. Nothing seems to happen. I'll just, yeah, you know, just it's just easier if I just don't say anything. Ah, that would be wrong because I can't wait for the new creation when I meet this guy and he goes, I can't believe you're here. And I'm like, oh, it's you, <laughs> right? It's, right? The Bible says one plants, plants a seed, another waters, but only God makes it grow. So he planted a seed, watered it, I don't know, what, you know, right? And so we've got a role to play. God, God does, you know, God making things grow, that's his area. He does his, his bit very well. He's very good at it. Our job is to plant seeds, order it, have a conversation, try this, try that, right? Okay? You don't even need to be, think, oh, I, don't, I haven't been to Bible college, I don't know all the answers. If you know, if you've been a Christian for five minutes, you know about God's grace. You know enough to be able to talk to anyone about the cross, about Jesus, about sin, about anything. You, right, as I say, most students think, oh, no, all these people are going to have all these questions. And if they do, oh, well, you say, that's a great question. I'm going to think about that and get back to you. 
Right? It's not, it's not hard, right? Okay, you just chip away. Now, who, who do you think of that you think, I can't imagine them being a Christian? Or even worse, oh, they'll never become a Christian. Right? Who is that person for you? Everyone's got one, right? You know, relative, friend, neighbour, workmate, you know, someone at school, whatever. Who is that person that you're tempted to give up on? Should you give up on them? Are they too hard for God? No. Not at all, right? Remember that Jesus came into the world to save Paul. Jesus came into the world to save me. Jesus came into the world to save you. Jesus Christ, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And just because it doesn't happen straight away doesn't mean they won't be saved, right? Later, when, just like me, right? You've got to think through stuff. Right? So all around here, all the people you work with, all the people you go to school with, uni, you know, wherever, you're surrounded by non-Christians, surrounded by them. And you're probably the only Christian they know, right? That, that's the world we live in. The cavalry's not coming over the, you know, the hill to save the day. You're it. Just look at us. Well, I mean, just, just look around, right? Look at us. We're pathetic. We're just weak, right? We are nothing. That's the point. We can only plant, we can just blur, say a few words, water, plant, water. That's all we can do. But God is powerful. He is the one that changes lives. He is the one that, by his grace, by his spirit, opens people's minds to go, you know what? It's true. Just at uni, just a few weeks ago, a guy became a Christian saying, you know, yeah, I've decided to follow Jesus. You know, I don't know much about his background or his, you know, whatever, but it happens. We are spooked. We think, oh, no one's going to become a Christian. But there are, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He wants it more than us. So all around you are Christian, non-Christians. Think about what you're going to have to do to go out of your comfort zone, just like Jesus. Remember, Jesus left heaven, perfection, to come here and die on a cross. So, you know, he doesn't ask you to do something he hasn't done already out of your comfort zone for other people so that they'll be saved. That's why Jesus died on a cross. God, never forget, God wants to save people. God has a plan and he uses ordinary weak people like us, like the guy I worked with who I thought it was an idiot, you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. We are weak, he is strong. Who'd have thought? Right? Remember my story. Who'd have thought? Paul, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought Paul is God's before and after photograph as an example of God's patience so that anyone can be saved, right? If, Paul, if God can save Paul, he can save me. He can save these people we know of. Verse 15 is a trustworthy saying, and I can personally testify that it deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Big Kev, you know, I started off with Big Kev. He was excited about what his cleaning products could do with carpet. Right? We, we know the power of the gospel to change people's lives. How much more excited should we be? Uh, I'm going to pray now. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for the mission. And, um, you know, this is a great opportunity to put into practice what we know to be true. So think about who you can invite. Oh, you know, I'm nervous, I'm scared. Right, yeah, so, right, just do it anyway. Trust God. Uh, It's exciting.
Right? You never know what might happen. And just because it doesn't happen straight away, doesn't matter. You've done your bit. God does his bit. Yeah, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much uh, that you have saved us, sinners, that you've poured out your love, your grace, your mercy upon us abundantly, even though once we were your enemies. Uh, we pray for the mission in a few weeks, in two weeks. Um, please use us. Please open doors for us to speak about Jesus. Give courage for people to invite people um, that they might be hear and believe and be saved. Um, yeah, please help us to be courageous. Help us to be, you know, overcome our fears and our sort of insecurities. Please help us, um, yeah, to speak and invite people. Even if they don't come, who, who knows what conversation might come from that. Uh, Lord, we're weak. You are strong. Um, help us to fully accept that we're just part of joining in on your great plan to save sinners. We ask this in his name and for his honour. Amen. Um, now, I'll be preaching on mission in two Sundays' time. Uh, I'm going to be preaching from a parable of Jesus. I'm going to aim it completely at non-Christians. Uh, it'll be short, sharp, clear. I, won't, I promise I won't hit the, you know, that or hit people on the head with the Bible. So, you, you know, be, trust us and invite people.